The Gospel reading for this morning comes from Mark's Gospel, beginning in the second chapter at the 23rd verse. Mark wrote these things. One Sabbath day, Jesus was walking through a field of ripe grain. As his disciples made a path, they pulled off heads of grain, and the Pharisees told on them to Jesus, Look, your disciples are breaking the Sabbath rules. Jesus said, Really? Haven't you ever read what David did when he was hungry, along with those who were with him? How he entered the sanctuary and ate fresh bread off of the altar with the chief priest Abiathar right there watching, holy bread that no one but priests were allowed to eat, and even handed it out to his companions. Then Jesus said, the Sabbath was made to serve us. We weren't made to serve the Sabbath. The Son of Man is no lackey to the Sabbath. He's in charge. Then he went back in the meeting place where he found a man with a crippled hand. When the Pharisees had their eyes on Jesus to see if he would heal him, hoping to catch him in a Sabbath infraction. So he said to the man with the crippled hand, Stand here where we can see you. And then he spoke to the people. What kind of action suits the Sabbath best, doing good or doing evil? Helping people or leaving them helpless. And no one said a word. He looked them in the eye, one after another, angry now, furious at their hard-nosed religion, and he said to the man, hold out your hand. And he held it out. And it was as good as new. When the Pharisees got out as fast as they could, sputtering about how they would join forces with Herod's followers and ruin him. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? Oh God, we've not heard your voice shouting from a cloud nor have we seen your strong hand reaching down to part the waters. But we've heard your gentle voice through your people and your church. And we have seen your power in the hands of others and in our hands. So we rejoice and simply ask that you open our minds and our hearts to your word for us this day. Amen. Back in the 1980s, the Minnesota Twins had this description of the game of baseball printed in their programs. And I quote, You have two sides, one out in the field and one in. Each man that is on the side that's in goes out, and when he is out, he comes in, and the next man goes in until he's out. When three men are out, the side that's out comes in, and the side that's been in goes out and tries to get those coming in out. Sometimes you get men still in and not out. And when both sides have been in and out nine times, including the not outs, that's the end of the game. You know, baseball can be a confusing game. There are so many rules to understand that it can be hard on new players. And one man shared how this especially can affect kids that play in little leagues. And he said, and I quote, 
There are always new players who do not know or understand the rules and the game becomes confusing and frustrating for them. If you don't hit the ball, you are out, unless you get four bad pitches before you get three good ones. And you need to run really fast if you hit the ball, unless you hit it on the wrong side of the white line, or unless they catch it before it hits the ground. You can run past first base and home plate, but not second or third base. And if you have the ball, you need to step on the base to get someone out unless you have to tag them. You know, if children only see baseball as a bunch of rules that everyone knows but them, it's easy for them to get discouraged and just quit. And when they get confused and do the wrong thing, everyone gets mad and seems upset. It is easier just not to play. But with patience and teaching, children learn to love the game of baseball. They learn that the rules do indeed make sense and that those rules even make the game more fun. Now the law was given for the good of God's people, but it actually became a burden to them. Instead of enjoying a day of rest and spending precious time worshiping God, they became concerned not to break any of the additional rules that had been placed upon the Sabbath. So, one Sabbath day, Jesus is out walking with his disciples, and they walk through a field of ripe grain. And as the disciples made a path, they pulled off some of the grain, and apparently some of the Pharisees are with them, and they begin to complain. Look, Jesus, your disciples, they're breaking Sabbath rules. And Jesus says, really? Don't you remember the story of David and how when he was hungry he entered the sanctuary and ate fresh bread off of the altar? And not only David ate it, but he passed it out to his companions as well. Just remember, the Sabbath was given for us. We weren't made to serve the Sabbath. And he moves from the fields then on into the synagogue at Capernaum. And in the synagogue, Jesus finds a man with a withered hand and he calls to him, and he asked him to stand right here where everyone can see him. And then he asked everyone gathered about, what kind of action suits the Sabbath best? Doing good or evil? Helping people or leaving them helpless? And no one said a word. Well, I think Jesus becomes angry that they won't reflect on his question, and he offers his answer by healing the man. And the Pharisees, the keepers of the law, became incensed, and they left immediately. Those law keepers, the rule keepers, the critics of Jesus, just couldn't rethink church. Rather, they chose just to see Jesus as a threat to good order and to their own positions. You see, both the hummingbird and the vulture fly over our nation's deserts. And all that the vultures see is rotting meat, because that is what they seek. They thrive on that diet. But hummingbirds ignore the smelly flesh of dead animals. Instead, they look for the colorful blossoms of desert plants. The vultures, you see, live on what was. They live on the past. They fill themselves with what is dead and gone. But the hummingbirds, they live on what is. 
They seek new life. They fill themselves with freshness and life. And you know, each bird finds what it's looking for. And I think if we're honest, we all do too. You know, early on in Mark's Gospel, we learn of this conflict between how Jesus saw things and the rigidity of the past. This conflict heightens as the story plays out and eventually contributes mightily to his eventual crucifixion. It is a conflict to keep in the back of your mind and heart when you read the stories. The conflict between past and present, new ways of looking at things, and time-honored traditions, they continue to play out in our world today in overt and in subtle ways. Well, I opened with a baseball reference, and if you will indulge me just a little bit more, I'd like to close with another. Back in March 2009, a girls' college softball game made the news. It was a critical game with both teams fighting for the conference championship. Western Oregon was a bat, and there were two runners on base. And then Sarah came to bat. Now, Sarah was not a power hitter. That season, she had only gotten on base four out of 34 times at bat. She had a lifetime batting average of 153, and she had never, ever hit a home run. And then, something changed for her. It was the top of the second inning, and the second pitch came across the plate, and she hit it hard. And the ball sailed over the fence for a three-run homer. And Sarah was understandably excited, and she ran for all she was worth around first base and headed for second. And then she realized in her excitement that she had failed to touch first base. So suddenly she stopped and turned to run back to first and crumpled to the ground. She had torn her ACL and writhed in pain as she crawled back to first. The entire ballpark was silent. Everyone was in shock. People in the stands, they began to cry for her. There was no way that Sarah could ever make it to home plate on her own. And the rules dictated that none of her teammates could touch her to help, or she'd be called out. And that's when Mallory Holdman, a girl from the other team who had a record of more home runs than any other player in conference history, went to the home plate umpire and asked if they could, her team, help and pick her up and carry her around the bases. So the umpire thought for a moment and said, well, there's nothing in the rules that said they couldn't. So Mallory and Liz Wallace, another player from the opposing team, gently picked Sarah up, making a seat with their hands for her to sit in, and they carried her around the bases, allowing her to tap each base along the way with her uninjured left foot. And after reaching home plate, those two girls handed Sarah off to her own teammates. Now Sarah's team won that game that day, four to two. If Mallory and Liz's team had stuck to the rules, they might actually have taken the championship. 
but they didn't stick to the rules. They were made of better stuff than that. Instinctively, I think, they understood what Jesus was teaching. Winning the game isn't as important to God as doing what is necessary to help the fallen and the struggling of the world. And folks, that's what we call priorities. Amen. Um.